Warning, this issue features discussions of spoilers, mature themes, and adult content. Parental discretion is advised. You've been warned. Welcome to our spooky horror-themed Halloween episode. Are, are you gonna talk like this the whole time? This is my horror voice. Oh man, I want to have a bone to pick with you. I see what you did there! That was frightening! Welcome to Comic Book Keepers. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Bone Parish. Ooh. Now, you know a lot about Bone Parish. Uh, you kind of uh, introduced this yes. to me, and I came into this not knowing anything, and I think that's a good way to come into it, is don't read about it, just start reading it, and it, it will... It will blow you away. Yeah. It's um, something you need to experience for yourself. You can't be told about it, I guess, except all of our listeners will be told about it right now. But it's something that you definitely should experience. So just a reminder for listeners of this episode, we are going to be talking uh, in-depth spoilers, and we're going to be talking about the entire series. This is a series that starts at issue one and ends at issue 12. It's a very short, limited run. Um, so for that reason, we are going to be talking about almost all of it, and we're going to be hitting into spoiler territory. So if you don't want it spoiled, stop listening. Go read Bone Parish, 12 issues. It, it, the whole thing is out right now. It won't take long. Come, yeah, it won't It won't take long. I read it in two days. Hey, everyone. This is Chris interrupting here with a little surprise. After we did this episode, Lance also had the opportunity to interview Colin Bunn. And we're going to be putting out that interview as a bonus episode to this one. But we thought it would be fun to occasionally cut to some of the answers that he gave from their discussion during this episode. So stay tuned for that. Okay, back to the episode. Let's talk about it. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Bone Parish is a necromantic horror crime series by writers Cullen Bunn and artist Jonas Scharf. It follows the Winters family, an up-and-coming crime family responsible for inventing and distributing a drug called Ash, made from the bones of the dead. Ash's unique properties allow users to experience euphoria while living out a past experience from the individual they ingest. The thrill of experiencing monumental moments from the famous, notorious, and exhilarating will make anyone pay the heavy price. If running a drug empire wasn't enough, rival crime families step in and try to stake their claim. When buyouts don't work, violence and poor drug imitations lead to horrific destruction, devastation, and ruin. Can a family survive constant assault from multiple fronts? Or even from within? Or will their empire burn to ash? To find out more about how this series came to fruition, we go into the archives. Lance, tell us about how Bone Parish came to be. Oh, I would love nothing more to, than to do that. Um, just to start off, I 
I love this series so much. It's amazing. It's it's one of those indie books that everyone needs to read. Uh, Colin Bunn is a phenomenal writer. And in order to understand how the series came to be, we need to go back to his beginnings. Colin grew up an X-Men kid. He was a Marvel kid. And he actually collected a lot of Uncanny X-Men with his father growing up. I love that. Yeah. So he's he's connected to us already. Love of X-Men. He developed a gigantic love for monsters and the horror genre. He collected those like uh, monster-themed magazines. And all the way back, <laughs> just, just think about this, in, in pre-K, he created a book called Attack of the Monsters, where in it he defeated Godzilla by dropping a sword onto Godzilla's head from a helicopter. <laughs> when he was like four. <laughs> yeah. Does that not sound like the making of a genius writer to you? Because it does to me. That sounds pretty good. He grew up enjoying the fantasy genre. So again, akin to our hearts, with a lot of influences from Tolkien, as well as playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and other tabletop role-playing games. Yes. Yes, and he is very much admitted that he prefers to be the DM because he likes to help uh, string along the narrative and tell a story as, of course, a writer would want to do. I could see that, yeah. Mm -hmm. He uh, developed his talents, and over the years, he began to write for numerous publishers. He's written for Marvel, DC, Boom, Aftershock, Oni Press, Dynamite, Image, Dark Horse, pretty much every major publisher out there and probably a lot more that you might not have even heard of. His works include, which I found this out way later. I, I got into, when I got into comics, I had already collected a lot of trade paperbacks and single issues and a lot of things that I just visually was drawn to and then pulled them and then loved certain stories from them. I found out years later when I started getting into more learning about the artists and the writers and creators that a lot of my collection actually was written by Colin Bunn. I hmm. received um, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe from my now wife, then girlfriend, who I had been dating for maybe three years at the time. She gave me Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, and that was the moment I knew I wanted to marry her. So... Yeah. Thank you, Colin Bunn, for helping me <laughs> tie the knot Good with job, my wife. <laughs> yep, it let me know I was ready for it. So, obviously, that series I love. He's also written Harrow County. He wrote an incredible Magneto run, which was amazing. Sinestro, Sixth Gun. He got to live out his dream of writing for Uncanny X-Men, collected it with his dad. He then went on to write it. How cool is that? Now I have to go back and read his run because I'm not sure which run, which storyline he wrote. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I love Venom. We'll do an episode on him later. But uh, Colin also wrote the uh, Venomized and Venomverse series, which I they are a Venom fans just like dream series. There's so much fun stuff that happens in them and all the characters have symbiote suits and there's the there's all these other 
creatures. I don't even want, I won't even get into that right now, but there's so much stuff I could talk about. Um, <laughs> but then also fearless defenders, like there's so many series that Colin's been a part of. If you look up his name, his list of titles is insanely long and I have no idea how he has had enough time to do all of it. I first got into him, uh, his, as a writer, I got I got the sixth gun because I found it as a recommendation and I was like oh a sci-fi kind of western like mm-hmm. I'm into that yep um and, and the art looked really cool too and I think the sixth gun is definitely like one of my favorites and then I I saw his name on on this and I was like oh that's that's cool I I, I like him I, I want to read more from him so that's awesome yeah I I keep my entire compa collection in a an app on my phone called CLZ and one day I was just curious, um, just because it catalogs everything. So I typed in his name. There was a crazy amount of his name pop up as part of my collection. It was a large number. Anyway, Bone Parish really took a few years to fully develop. And it was completely different from its original version. Whereas now we have it as what you described as that necromantic crime horror series where the ash allows you to live out those past experience of whoever you ingest. So here's Colin explaining some of the origins of Bone Parish. It didn't always have all both of its feet in in the horror genre. You know, one of the earlier iterations of it was almost uh almost superhero you know it was it was these characters using the ashes of ancient heroes to get their to get their abilities and their skills and we see some of that in bone parish but uh but it wasn't uh, it was definitely more of a an action adventure kind of uh, approach it didn't uh, it wasn't until much later that i decided it, it needed to take more of a, a a crime vibe and a horror vibe and I was actually, it was on Halloween. Uh, I was in New Orleans on Halloween a few years ago. And and I was just, you know, taking notes, jotting ideas down. And Bone Parish, as, you know, as we know it now, kind of took shape and came to life. Being there, being in that environment kind of uh, c- cemented it in my mind what it should be. And, and, uh, and I just went from there. Snorting Ashes of the Dead was always the hook of the series, but it took a lot of evolution and time for the script to be fully realized and to really evolve into what Bone Parish would become. Colin describes the series as a grounded supernatural crime story about a family. He has always enjoyed that crime family genre, and he wanted to see what would happen when you took that family component the crime element, and then add in a dash of supernatural. He wanted to explore how a close family could be broken and the lengths they would go to in order to save it. Now, in order to bring this idea to life, you need a fantastic artist to do it. Colin found that talent in Jonah Scharf, who just so happens to have been the artist on one of my favorite series, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, that comic's amazing. We're going to talk about it later. You need to read it if you haven't. But Jonas comes on to the series, and it's exciting. And he talks about, or he's he's spoken about how it's 
exciting and and a little scary to jump on to a new series. It it doesn't have an identity yet. However, Colin in his notes is able to give so much detail and description that it helped Jonas develop that image in his mind and put it down on paper, or I guess in this case, uh, digital layers, I'm assuming (laughs) at this point. This visually unique series needed to be able to separate the natural from the supernatural because we needed to be able to see when a person was just normal versus when they were actually on the drug and what that looked like. And this unique visual dynamic really flies off the page and you're able to be in that moment and it looks incredible. And it looks even better visually because colorist Alex, and I hope I don't butcher this last name, Guimarães, his colors are absolutely beautiful. Being able to, you, you know exactly when someone is affected by the drug because the color scheme around them morphs and becomes very fluid and very, I would say, like astral uh, to the point where it's it's amazing to look at. And then letterer uh, Ed Dukeshire, after putting this whole team together, Bone Parish Issue 1 was released on June 25th, 2018. And I do want to give a shout out to Omni Dogs Vault on YouTube and uh, Sci-Fi Wire, where a lot of this information was found on. They did an interview with Colin, and a lot of good information is there. So go ahead and check out both of those sites. If we could just talk about the art for a second, I yes, think please. you know uh, Jonas Scharf's art was really interesting. It, it fits the genre of the crime aspect really well because yes. it's got this kind of dark and gritty um you know pseudo realism kind of style and then like you said like the color aspects when the ash is being experienced uh, you know it really popped because everything's very muted and then when there's a somebody is on ash like the color really jumps off the page like you said so i think that was really done very smartly and it, it's hard from an artist's perspective to you know be like well i'm gonna hold back because i know that there's gonna be moments where we need to really make it stand out because um, you want to make all your stuff stand out. Absolutely. So there there has to be a lot of humbleness and, you know, reservations in, in the art. Um, so he has to find a way to make these characters stand out in their own way when they're not being elevated by the by the color. So there's a lot of really subtle, like, facial expressions. And there's uh, the, the character design was was really unique. Like every character in the family, um, in all of these, uh, the cops and the extended family and the other crime families and stuff like that. Everybody's kind of got their own look. Uh, I wasn't really confused with like who was who. So it was easy to follow along as you were finding out names and stuff. Yeah. Um, usually, usually in a series that is only 12 issues with so many different characters, it would be hard to figure out, wait, that's this person. Uh, they're related to them. Everything is so clearly outlined. And they're not wearing superhero outfits. So they're wearing yeah. different clothes, you know, every day, like like normal people do. So, you know, you don't have the advantage of like they're always wearing the same thing like a superhero would. So mm. but but the 
the, the artwork did a really good job of conveying not just the horror elements, which again, they're kind of used reservedly. It's not every, I think every issue has that sort of like, here you go. Here's yeah, that. There's, there's, weird there's a moment. moment. Yes. Um, they don't, where it's like, they don't throw it all at you un- until a little later. Yeah, it definitely ramps up. And, you know, for fans of other horror comics, like something like the walking dead, a very popular one that, that definitely gets into the grotesque and, you know, it has these, these moments of just like, Oh my gosh, you know, uh, I don't think it even, it's not to that level. It definitely gets into moments where you have some pretty graphic, uh, things and there's, you know, kind of suggested nudity and there's, and there's, um, sex and there's drugs, obviously lots of drugs. Yeah. There's a lot. Going uh, on. there's tons of death. There's mutilation. There's, um, just every, a little bit of everything at the same time. It's not as, intense and as violent as I've seen from some other no. comics. It's not over the top. Like it's not, you know, EC comics tales from the crypt, like <laughs> gore for gore sake. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Like, Oh, my it's, eye is being peeled back from my face. Oh, how I but, would, how I would describe it is if you are a horror fan, it is this, this comics level of gore would be akin to, let's say saw one and two. Whereas a lot of other horror comics get up to like Saw 5, 6, and I don't know, like, however, <laughs> sure. where, where it just ramps up to a point where you're like, okay, like, uh, does a person actually have this much blood in them? Yeah, and, and there's not a lot of blood, I think, because they, they focus a lot on bones and skeletons and digging up the dead. And it's not like when people get killed, and there are people that, spoilers, there are people that get killed in yeah. this, uh, people, people that people die, that you a lot like, of death will be gone. And it's not done in a way which I appreciated where y- you don't know who's going to die. You don't really know. Like it, it, it was a lot of it came as a surprise. Um, yeah. It's not done where it's like a horror movie where like the cast slowly gets killed off and you kind of expect that. But the the pacing was you, you, you didn't know when somebody was going to go and there was a couple characters i was like oh i didn't expect them to live and you know and they did or yeah uh or i expected them to die sooner and and like you're still here why are you still here (laughs) yeah but but everything felt felt pretty good i uh, my one critique you know my one kind of like uh observation is there are moments that and and this is just because it's kind of set in in a sort of real world vibe it's new orleans and and that sort of thing is is it sometimes took a little while to get going um it's the pace at first like like you said in the last couple issues it really ramps up and it goes and it and it just goes you know full intensity but i I think it takes a little while to get going and i get why they did that it you can't just Mm -hmm. start at 10 but but um it, it it took a couple issues for me to be like, what, what's happening with this? Like, I don't mm-hmm. get, you know, I don't, I don't see the huge appeal. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So like, like oh, around, okay. I think it was around like issue three or four where it was really like, Oh, okay. Okay. I like this now. <laughs> you know? see, I, so I give it a couple issues. Yes. I, I loved the slow burn of the series. It, it drew me in from the first issue just because the concept was so interesting to me to be able to, live out an experience of somebody by by snorting their ashes 
to not not just visualize it, but you are living it. You are in their shoes and you are seeing everything from their perspective. I, I see how that might turn off some people like I mean, like, you know, if you don't if you're not into drugs, like I'm not into drugs. <laughs> there you go. What? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, if you've never done drugs or if it's just like, I don't know about that, like I, I'm I feel the same way like it, this was I was like, I don't know about this, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really capitalize on that. It definitely doesn't glorify it. It, it does definitely, not at all. It, it, it's if anything, it's like, oh, OK, I'm never going to do this again. The O.D. aspect of this drug is a million times worse than anything actually in yeah. reality. This is like the train spotting of supernatural drug comics. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the comic. Yes, please. So the main characters, we'll we'll do a little dramatis personae here. Uh, The main characters of the Winters family. We have this... uh, local new orleans family um we have grace who is the mother the matriarch the head of the family um the oldest brother who is who is an adult when we say brother siblings they're they're all like grown-up siblings uh the oldest brother is named bray he sort of wants to run the family but you know is still kind of uh running in instead of uh, grace is sort of still running the family even though he really wants to um Bridget is the sister who makes the ash and she kind of has the the closest uh, what you would say to a supernatural power or a superhero power in, in the sense that she kind of understands how the, all this is done and no one else does and and that's that's a secret that kind of stays until the end it never it kind of explains that she learns it from somebody else that you know who also learned it from somebody else who we get um, to see because we get to relive those memories we get to li- relive the memories through an ash trip, which is which is really interesting. But, but it, it kind of leaves it a little mm-hmm. bit vague and open for they do if the, they ever revisit this. The cool thing about that scene, though, is we get a little bit like Inception stuff going on with it. That's all I'll say. Sure. But let's just say trip within a trip within a trip. Yeah, it's interesting. There is another middle brother named Leon. Uh, and then the youngest brother is named Wade. And I, I put him at sort of like early 20s. So, I mean, the siblings yeah, range between. He's the young one, but yeah, early 20s. Although, you know, Grace looks pretty good for the mother. Yeah. So, I mean. The, Grace almost looks younger than like, Ray. Kind of. I mean, I, I put her at like 40s, maybe 40s, 50s or something like that. Uh Maybe. So, I mean, uh, from Wade to Bray, maybe there it's like, you know, Wade could even be like 18 or something like that. But it, it's it's I mean, it's believable. It's not like nitpicky. No, not at all. Here's Colin talking a little bit more about the characters. Um, well, the family, the Winter family was was pretty well cemented when I um when I started writing the series, I knew what I wanted them to be and I knew uh, how they would, you know, how they would interact with one another. There was, uh, there was, you know, there were other families, you know, the, the, there were other groups that came in that uh, when I initially came up with the series, I wasn't a hundred percent sure how they would necessarily um, 
fit together. Um, but when I, I kind of settled on this idea that the problems that all these characters would have uh, would be simply because they cannot communicate with one another. And that's really the driving point of failure for all of them. They simply can't communicate. Um, the, if they would just sit down and talk to each other, they wouldn't be in, the, you know, the story wouldn't have played out as it did. And uh, and so I wanted to take it so that the, the other families, uh, the other families and other players were also not communicating in, in an effective way. And uh, and I felt like that was something that that readers could get could understand and could get behind not communicating with friends and family, uh, and that causing tons of you know tons of problems. But uh, but yeah, that was uh, I I knew what the family how they interacted, and I knew what the biggest problem would be for them when I started out. Other supporting characters that we have um, besides the Winters family, you have a couple of cops, of course, in a crime family. You know, it's you, you got to have some uh, some dumb cops. You got to have some police. Uh, we have Frank Mayhew, who is an ally of the Winters family, sort of a cop on the inside on the payroll. Uh, Boyd Reese, who is Mayhew's partner, um, kind of also working with the Winters. And then later in the series, we have a new officer a detective uh fiona heron who i didn't think was gonna last i'll be honest uh yeah. she I, I was like oh they're gonna they're gonna take out her kid or you know like something yeah. like that that's gonna be really dark but but she just she actually has kind of a moment of redemption uh, which we can get into later but um and then we have andre winters who is the father of the winters family who has died and um, I, I'll let you kind of talk about him a little bit later um, and his little twist. Um, then you also have Lucian, who is the former lover and person that Brigitte uh, or Bridget, sorry, the person that Bridget learned her creation of the ash techniques from. Um, you have Billy, who's the leader of the no lower pairs biker gang and sort of like the, the Winters family sort of gets them to be muscle. Um, you have antagonists like Rafael Garcia, leader of the rival Mexican cartel, uh, his sister, Leticia, who comes into play a little bit later. Who's way more terrifying than Rafael. She's super terrifying. Like she's like, she's the head of the family and, and yeah. Yeah. And she basically like takes matters into her own hands and gets, gets medieval. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then, uh, then the New York mob, um, which, we, I think they're sort of like, you know, Russian or or Eastern you know, European, Eastern European of some kind, because the head of the family is Grigori, um, and there's Axel, who's sort of like an assistant, strong arm assassin who who goes with um, Simon Lamont, who's sort of like their business rep, um, who wants to buy out the Winters family operation and ends up kind of falling for grace and and tries to you know, get in and he's protective, but he's also like trying to represent the New York family. So that's kind of all the characters that I have. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about uh, the thing with, yes, with Andre and, and, and uh, Grace? Yes. So this is a major spoiler for you. You pretty much learn it in the first 
issue. It's issue one. It's, yeah. a, it's the first twist. Yeah. And it's the this whole first issue. Grace has been talking with Andre and just about the business. And he's seems to just really be giving her a lot of support. And then you find out at the end of the episode that, or in the end of the issue that Grace is actually taking the ash and she's able to communicate with Andre still. And he's there to give her advice, which is very different than the interaction that other people are able to have while they take, when they, when they take ash. Whereas other people are living out an experience that has already happened. She is able to create new memories, new interactions with her deceased husband. The way Grace and Andre interact evolves throughout the series. You get to see how Andre begins to take more of a leading role in that relationship where rather than just giving Grace advice, at, at times he's able to control her which that is <laughs> definitely a major uh, point for later part of the series. It's interesting to see how Ash affects her versus others. And Bridget within the series talks about how the strain of Ash that she was able to make for Grace is very, it's, it's different than what, what's, on, what's being sold on the street. But Chris, you had an idea of why that might have it might have been different for her. You want to talk about that? Well, I mean, because Bridge is the one that's making it, right? So, yes. and, and she even tells um, Grace, her mom, in in the second issue. I think uh, she's like, "Hey, the supply is running low. You're going to be at, you're going to be out of this in a while." Um, so clearly, she's been taking it for a while, and this is probably the only one that she's been taking is is the ashes of her husband. Um, and we see, you know, the last trip, uh, of, of grace with, with, uh, Andre. And we kind of see what we think is probably, okay, this is the last time that it's going to happen. But then later, like you said, we see that, uh, she's sort of been possessed or taken over by, by him. And it's sort of, um, illustrated in a way where you see the eyes change and the, the, the color sort of pops out with that kind of glowing eyes effect. And her her speech her speech turns into um, phrases that the father has said in past yeah. like interactions. Yeah, it's 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 a cool moment. My theory about this is that because she solely took Ash from this one person, it wasn't just a one time thing. It was repeatedly, and she basically cleaned out the supply to its entirety. That uh, that was what allowed him to take over her. So if someone were to do that, they would eventually kind of have that symbiotic relationship with somebody that, that they uh, ingested, so to speak. Now, I don't know if that's true. That's just kind of like one of my theories, but I was like, well, why is that? That was a little bit unique, you know, and uh, that would be something I would want to ask. Yeah. uh, Colin Bunn. (laughs) For sure. So Lance did ask him that question. And he kind of set the record straight. So in my mind, and I'm, I'm glad that there are differences of opinion because I wanted the story to, to leave questions like that. Um, I wanted readers to, to have that curiosity of what, you know, what's the truth behind this. 
and I intentionally didn't, uh, you know, I didn't want to put like some sort of, you know, heavy exposition in trying to explain it. I can tell you in my mind, Grace was using a slightly different strain of the drug that, that caused different experiences. Um, and, and yes, that, you know, I have a plan for if I were to return to the world of Bone Parish. I mean, the series ends with, I think it's pretty obvious that there could be another story there. And, and that plan would include these different strains of, of the ash and what those strains could do. I, I think it's also interesting to point out that when uh, Bridget is actually taking Ash of her former lover, Lucian, who taught her all this stuff, we get to see Lucian's experiences with the person that taught him. And mm -hmm. there's a panel where the person that is teaching Lucian talks about how he has missed the opportunity to have essentially immortality. And it... The conversation moves forward and the way he talks about being immortal is through possession. So essentially, Andre was able to obtain what the teacher of Lucian really wanted to happen. And it's it's really brief. I'll, and I'm pretty sure that in the book, all all that it shows is it doesn't even show the teacher of Lucian anymore. It just shows Bridget kind of in that euphoric state and she just says possession mm -hmm. so a lot of fun stuff going on there the i the whole concept of this this drug being able to allow you to live out these memories and not only are you able to live them out but you you almost like there's there's moments where people take this drug to be able to accomplish certain tasks it's we need to infiltrate oh there's these people that were like assassins and they're able to sneak into places and take out the enemy. The, the element that was that superhero getting powers from the ash is still in this story, but it's utilized in order to essentially maintain a drug trafficking organization, which is just another layer of craziness. Yeah. Well, this is this is pretty intense, uh, Lance. So I think we should take a break and then come down, and then uh, we'll we'll get back into it uh, after our break. Sounds like plan. Well, hey everybody, we just want to say thank you for listening to Comic Book Keepers, and uh, if you really want to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave a rating and review on the podcast service of choice, whether it's Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcasts, or whatever you listen to, you should be able to leave a rating and review. Um, uh, that really helps the algorithm for letting people know about the show. Um, of course we do have a lot of social media that you can support us on, on Twitter. We are at CBK cast and we're very active on Twitter. Uh, you can also use the hashtag CBK cast, um, if you want to uh, kind of point out certain things about whatever comic that we've talked about recently or in previous episodes as well, let us know what kind of characters that you want to see us cover um, that are out there. 
Uh, we're also on Instagram at CBKCast, where we will be posting images, not only that are from the images from the comics that we talk about, but also occasionally we'll be doing some original art from some of the what if segments that that we do on the show. Comic Book Capers is hosted by the Geekly Grind. Stop by the Geekly Grind for all things geeky from comics, anime and manga to board games, video games, RPGs and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our friend Weston makes royalty-free music for tabletop role-playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. You can check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on Twitter, TikTok, and you can find his music for free on his Patreon at Arcane Anthems. And go listen to Knights of the Roll Table. It's a D&D role-playing game that i'm in and uh lance listens to i do uh, and it's it's a lot of hilarious oh we're in season three we're also featured on geekly grind and it's family friendly and it's homebrew content and it's really fun and um i and i am a dm as well as a player on knights of the roll table so if you like a little DD live play and you want to hear more fun stuff uh definitely check it out it's on all podcasts uh podcast services ready to keep going with the episode oh yeah let's do it all right we're back we're talking about bone parish and um, I guess for the poll list, we, we normally do a poll list segment where we talk about which issues, you know, we would recommend. But this is a 12 issue arc. So I, I think the, the recommendation for this is just get the whole thing. Um, so but in, in terms of how it's broken down, I mean, obviously, you can try to hunt out individual issues. There are some alternate covers if you're really into finding like individual issues. Some really cool um, variants and, out there. Yeah, they've done three different uh, graphic novel collections each each uh, collection features four issues, so there's three of them, and uh, you can definitely find those as well. There's probably going to be a omnibus or some sort of like yeah, all it, I'm twelve sure issues it's coming. Uh, that that hasn't come out yet, but um, we're waiting for that as well. So that that probably will have a little bit more like behind the scenes stuff. So I'm I'm probably going to wait for that. How about uh, for if you were to recommend one Grail find for this Lance, what would you recommend? Would would you wait for the collected edition? Would you get you know, the first graphic novel. What What are you thinking? I would still try and go after, I would get the whole series, but make sure you grab Bone Parish number one while it's still affordable because rumor is some stuff's happening down the pipeline that we're going to talk about in a second. But it's, it's a great series, beautiful art, extremely well written. It's made, it, it, it's content is perfectly transferable to an adaptation which hey speaking of <laughs> yeah segway segway for a segue um <laughs> so uh there isn't an adaptation of bone parish but uh recently it has been announced that netflix talked to boom studios about several of their titles and while it wasn't said specifically that they were going to uh, adapt bone parish it was one of the titles that they talked about um that that boom does so i think it's highly possible and it seems 
perfect for adaptation. Um, honestly, as I was, I was reading this, I kind of saw this sort of HBO Showtime, you know, yes. mature audiences mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Um, you know, Netflix, as, as we put out this episode, just put out an amazing adaptation of the old guard. So and good. so, and, 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 um, Amazon prime has done the boys. The boys and, yeah. If you and, can do and, the boys right in live action, you can definitely do this. So they, they, there's like a lot of good, like gritty, mature, and there's uh, adaptations that have been done of graphic novels and comic books, and it shows that there is an audience for that. So I, I think this is definitely one of those like, hey, we should do this. And it's got that cool kind of supernatural crime, uh, you know, slight horror vibe to it. So yes, it, once this comes out, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, issue number one of the comic definitely goes up because it's it's already going up just because of speculation for sure. That brings us when we're talking about speculation, we got to talk some what ifs. What Each issue, we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love, and we definitely love Bone Parish. In this comic, where you get to have individuals in this world take a drug and then live out these moments, it makes us think, what person and what moment would we choose to relive from their perspective? And super strong disclaimer here. We are not no, endorsing taking any kind of drugs, drugs or anything like that. And I think this would be, you know, like if taking drugs was not part of the requirement no, for, this for isn't doing the, just, this, is not part of the equation. moment, that's the question that we're asking. It's it's not if you could do a drug to relive a moment. It's if you could just relive a moment, would what what moment would that be and who would it be? So who would you pick, Lance? I had to think long and hard about this just because there's so many different amazing moments you could relive in history. But the idea I kept coming back to was being in Freddie Mercury's shoes during the Live Aid concert at Wembley Stadium on July 13th, 1985, not only in front of 70,000 fans at the stadium, but with 1.5 billion people watching around the world. Now... Uh, if you are a fan of Queen or Freddie Mercury in general, you know this man had the some of the greatest stage presence, period, amongst musicians. He had one of the greatest voices ever. He had an eight-octave range. He could command these massive audiences. And I think it would be so cool to finally be able to sing well <laughs> to be in those <laughs> shoes. Because, you know, we all, we all sing in the shower. Don't lie. You do it. You want to sound like Freddie I Mercury. Do, yeah, I, I do. want to sound like Freddie Mercury. And I want to be able to command a massive audience like that. The way he just interacted with the people, getting them to repeat phrases, getting them to move a certain way. It's It's amazing to just watch him do it. So I can't imagine what it would be like to live in his shoes and experience that moment. So that's good my moment. choice. Yes. Very that's good. A moment. Big one. Uh, I, I thought about, about this a while. Um, Cause you know, I was thinking about, you know, the, the moon landing, Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like the signing of the declaration of independence, you know, from, from We're going that, low that key. moment. Um, his history buffs are and, loving it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that that moment of like, oh, I, I figured it out I, or I, I did this thing, this one thing, like what would be cool? So for me, I think just from an artistic standpoint, I'm going to go old school and say uh, the moment that Michelangelo, the artist, finished the Sistine Chapel um, <laughs> it would be my moment because just pro- arguably one of the greatest um, artworks of our of our time and artistic accomplishment this is like just and if you've never seen it it, it's it's crazy incredible it's just like if you haven't seen it school has failed you well i mean i I got to so i got to go see see the sistine chapel oh you mean uh, in person in person oh geez yeah you meant like if you've never never seen a picture of the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> well, no, it's one thing looking at it on on a website or yeah, like in a book, but like actually going in there. One, it's a it's a little smaller than what you expect, but you go in there and you're looking up, which just from that sense. And I look up as I did that, like away from the microphone. But <laughs> of course, um, it's it's just like it's unlike uh, you know most artwork that you experience, and to see a gigantic mural painting that's so in depth. Um, and, and looking up, it's like, you're, you're looking into the heavens and you're seeing one of the greatest, you know, paintings ever done. So I think finishing that, you know, must've been this weird sense of relief and accomplishment. And, you know, I don't know what Michelangelo and no one really knows, like what, if he was like, yes, I finished it. Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) Like, or if he was just like, Oh, I just want to get paid. (laughs) Where's that paycheck? Who knows? I mean, like, well, he was doing it for like the Pope or the whatever. But uh, I don't know. I'm not a history buff. But mm. uh, but that was I think that would be a cool moment to live just to have that sense of accomplishment of like, I did this amazing thing. And he he must have known. He must have known. Did, would right? he have though? Like, so you're you're an artist. When you finish a piece of work, are you are you always so happy with it? Or do you critique everything about it? When I do something that I know is just like, this is freaking awesome. Like, okay, good. I am that way. <laughs> what What if, so in this moment, you're, you're reliving their experience. What if you've chosen this moment and he finishes the Sistine Chapel and he's like, eh. <laughs> well, I mean, but honestly, that would be, I think that would be really, really cool to experience because then it would just be like, wow, you know, even somebody that that did that you know had their doubts and i think that would be kind of like i would enjoy that because it kind of shows like everybody has their doubts everybody's you know is is human and even the greatest artists Mm -hmm. uh, of history including him you know you know it just kind of shows like hey like everybody goes through that goes through that uh depression or down downside as i think a lot of artists do writers yeah. artists uh, musicians you know um to bring so it back I, to our tmnt episode van gogh for sure like right? he, he had no clue what his yeah, talent so many, was so many poets and writers and painters who like never experienced fame and died in poverty and and then they become you know lauded and and um it'd be interesting to see i think that kind of moment and be in that person's mindset and what what makes that it's i mean you could easily go for like uh this you know a good moment like winning an academy award and what the endorphins feel like in that moment but i would hate that i would like that (laughs) like i think it's funny because being able to live freddie mercury's 
like live aid experience, like singing in front of a crowd, I feel like that's amazing. Giving a speech in front of a crowd after winning an award, be like, oh, I'm gonna be sick. This is horrible. Yeah. From a sports standpoint, like you know, uh, the, uh, the moment that Usain Bolt won his gold medal, yeah. oh, or wow, um, yeah. or Michael or just, Phelps, you know, broke all the records of winning all the you mm-hmm. know swimming. You know, like that oh, would be that's a good one. That's a very huge good one. moment. During the interview, Lance asked Colin the same question, and here's what he had to say. So if I could use the ash of a, like a historical figure in a, a moment in their life, I, I thought maybe. Uh, so uh, Mary Shelley, who wrote Frankenstein, came up with that story while on vacation with Percy Shelley and a number of friends, and they were all telling ghost stories. And, uh, and that was the night that Mary Shelley kind of decided she, you know, that, that she had this idea for Frankenstein, right? Or Prometheus or whatever it was called at the time. So I think it might be really cool to be there in that moment when those stories were being traded. I think it'd be a, uh, you know, I love hanging out with people who, who just are, are inspirational anyway. So that could be a really inspirational moment, you know. In fact, I'm going to write that down. And if there ever is another Bone Parish, who knows? You know, maybe that's a maybe that's a scene that will pop up in in a in future Bone Parish stories. And let us know if you want to let us know what moment from some some person in the past. Uh, you know, I just thought about like Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps are alive, so I wouldn't want yeah. to. You, I you would, can just I wouldn't take it, that moment away from them. Yeah. Be, remember, we're not taking ash for this. You can yeah, choose any ash. person, living or dead. All you have to do is choose the moment and the person. That's it. Yeah, and let us know at CBK Cast uh, what person um, that you would want to relive a moment from, and uh, and and we'll talk about it. We, we want to hear what you think about that. All right. Well, Lance, it's time to close the book on Bone Parish. I think we've... we've would, you, would you even say close the coffin? Close the coffin, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that, but you know, you, you can say that if you Some want people to. would. So, <laughs> some, some people argue. So, until next time, this is Chris. And Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Spooky episode. Don't do drugs. Don't do it.